I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. 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 Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, supporter of the Constitution Bionic. And this is a new week. It is Future Quake, a new week. Uh, which means we have a new guest. What day is it today? Today is Monday. Okay. Which means it's time for a new guest. There you go. No other specification required. Uh, and we have not just any regular flunky guest. We have uh, a fantastic guest that She's has a great. local connection here. Uh-huh. We have, uh, representing the 57th District of Tennessee, we have Tennessee State Representative Susan Lynn, mm-hmm. uh, who will be talking with us this week about the latest developments in state sovereignty versus federal domination. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you know, this has been a big thing in the news about uh, a number of states, yeah. a majority of them, yeah. actually coming out with resolutions yeah. uh, reminding the federal government that their powers are limited. Well, it all started it all started in Oklahoma, I think, last year. Is that uh, right? I think, and I think we even covered that here on Future Quake. Uh, we've I'm, talked about yeah, it in our news. Did. Yeah, we did talk about it in the news when that came out. And she's been behind this effort here uh, in this area, and I want to thank you for doing some homework and finding out what her role has well, been and suggested gosh. having her on. I'm happy to do it. I really appreciate that yeah. because uh, what we found in her blog was some fantastic uh, She's information. She's a good writer, isn't she? Good writer and a, a good Christian woman yeah. uh, and uh, also one who seems to be a very effective legislator, someone mm-hmm. who works extremely hard I get from, and is very effective. From I, you know, I haven't sat down and had dinner with her or anything, but I get the sense that she has a very, very good idea uh, of what a state legislature is supposed to do and mm-hmm. what, you know, the, you know how the Constitution is supposed to work and the various mm-hmm. checks and balances within it and everything. Sure. You know, maybe uh, when we have us another documentary night one day, we need to uh, maybe invite her. Oh, hey, talk. that'd be a great one. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Well, I tell you, we need to let our listeners judge for themselves by listening to her directly. Yeah. So we think you're going to really enjoy this, even if you're not from Tennessee. Uh, it's an example, uh, hearing from an active state legislator about the struggles they have uh, dealing with the federal government and where we are. I think you'll all find it, no matter where you are, find it very instructive. So no further ado, here is Tennessee State Representative Susan Lynn, and then we'll be right back to talk about it here on Future Quake. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom Bionic. And we have a new guest with us uh, today. Indeed. That is a fantastic guest that uh, we've wanted to talk to for some time. Mm-hmm. And I want to I give an, an attaboy to uh, Brother Tom here for uh, suggesting that this was a, a good time. Well, hooray for me. Yeah. Three gold stars and a bunny star. Well, I would <laughs> like to introduce <laughs> our, our guest today, uh, 57th District, uh, Tennessee State Representative Susan Lynn. Uh, and uh, Miss Miss Lynn, thank you so much for joining us yes, on the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Well, I appreciate Rep- it. Representative Lynn, it's an honor to have you on your first appearance on the Future Quake Show, originating uh, right here in your own hometown in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, we're going to talk about an overarching theme of the latest developments in state sovereignty versus federal domination. But to begin our uh, discussion today, 
Could you please share with us a little bit about your background uh, prior to your foray into politics? Oh, sure. Well, I had never wanted to run for public office um, ever. I just wanted to know and be sure that good people were representing me, so I became involved with my local Republican Party. And my parents had been very involved when I was in child uh, for the same reasons. They wanted to make sure good people were representing them. And um, one day when the state representative who had the seat before me decided to run for Senate, um, I was at a, at a President's Day dinner, and she announced that she was going to run for Senate. And I was sitting there in the audience, and there was a preacher on one side of me and my husband on the other side of me. And it was like I was struck by lightning. And I knew, as I knew my own name, that I was supposed to run for her seat. And mm. I was very scared. And apparently, I grabbed the preacher's arm beside me, and he looked at me and said, what's the matter? And I said, I'm terrified. And he said, why? And I said, I feel like I'm supposed to run for this seat. And he said, that's wonderful. Do it. And I said, no, no. And I turned to my husband and I, I, and I told him the same thing. And he said, that's a really good idea. And I said, no, 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 it isn't. And at the dinner, um, a few of my friends were coming up to me telling me that some gentlemen had already drawn petitions to run and they thought that was terrible and and I was like, that's great. And I actually signed their petitions to run for, for this seat. I, I signed the other's petitions because I was so scared. I really was running the other direction. And I have to tell you, for about a year and a half before this, I really felt like God was getting ready to do something with my life. And I just, I didn't know what it was. I really thought maybe he was going to make us missionaries, my husband and me missionaries or something. Mm-hmm. And I kind of felt like... um you know, I, I was scared, and I felt like, well, I finally grappled with it, and I said, Lord, you know I will do whatever it is you want me to do. And my parents have, are deceased, and I have a lot of their things, and I finally came to terms, and I said, Lord, you know that I love you, and if I have to sell all and, and, and bad things, that's fine. I'll do whatever it is you want me to do, because I really felt there was something important that he had for me. Well, that night sitting there, I'm telling you, I was struck by lightning, so the next morning... The, um, the current state representative called me, and she said, God is telling me that you're supposed to run for my seat. And I said, oh, no, not you, too. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I was just devastated. Well, <clears throat> it just took that weekend. I really realized that I was supposed to do this. And, you know, I didn't know if I was going to win. Sometimes God just wants you to learn lessons by a process of doing things. I have met so many people who have run for public office, and they felt very called to it, too, but they lost. And probably the Lord taught them lessons in that. So you don't know if he has it in his plan for you to win or lose. But I I did pray this. I prayed, Lord, I said, this is, I'm going to do this because I know you want me to, but you're going to have to put the words in my mouth, give me the money, and please don't let anybody see anybody else's signs but mine. And that was my <laughs> prayer. <clears throat> well, it turns out one of my opponents, there were four of us in the race at this point, my opponents owned a sign company, oh, and no. he had eighteen hundred signs, and I could only afford five hundred signs. And he had eighteen hundred signs, and I'm telling you, they were everywhere. They were purple and white, and I felt like they were neon. They were <laughs> everywhere. <clears throat> but I was going out knocking on doors, you know, one after one door after another after another, and people would say to me again and again and again, 
is anybody else running? Because I don't, I don't see anybody else's signs but yours. And every time that was said to me, I just knew in my heart, I mean, it just tickled me in my heart because it was an answer to that prayer I prayed. Please don't let anybody see anybody else's signs but mine. And um, you know what it was? In the end, with four of us in the race, I got over 50% of the vote, and the other three guys shared the rest. So and it was a lot of hard work. Um, it was just... You know, I just totally committed myself to it because I felt very called to it. And, um, you know, it's hard work. When was this representative <laughs> win? Um, in 2002. 2002. And, and prior to that, uh, what, what was your pursuit after, after college before you got into politics? Um, well, I have a degree in economics and history. And what I've always done, um, I, I worked um, in a... Uh, as a manufacturer sales rep for a manufacturer at one point. I worked for Nicholas Golf Equipment at one point, um, um, you know, representing the product as well. Um, I worked in a hotel in the accounting department, but most recently before I ran, I was um, a QuickBooks and um, what I would do is I would go help businesses either get set up with QuickBooks, get straightened out, um, you know, get prepared maybe for an audit um, or to do their taxes by their accountant. Um, and and that was very satisfying. You know, I, I love business. I've always loved it. Um, my father was a businessman. And um, it was very satisfying work. And as I did that, you know, especially the QuickBooks Consulting, you know, there's a lot of people, they're so talented. They can do so many different things. But if mm-hmm. you can't run the business side of your business, you're not going to stay in business. So I'd go in and I'd, I'd get okay. them straightened out and get them trained. And a lot of times I'd call the IRS for them. I'd call the state for mm-hmm. them, all that, and get them, just get them straightened out and put, give them that peace of mind that, you know, everything's going to be okay. You're great at what you do. You just have to have certain disciplines and you'll be fine. So you had a lot of real-world experience yeah. before you went into the field of politics. You were out there. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. struggling along with all the rest of us there out in the field uh, making a living. You understand the challenges of running a, a business, obviously, prepared you for this. But it's interesting to hear in your testimony, uh, it sounds like you could be in a real hall of fame of other people that God used, like uh, Jonah and <laughs> Esther and other people who were who were reluctant and looking for a backdoor exit, but the, but the Lord kept uh, painting you into a corner to follow through a certain door. Uh, and you find out that, that the way has been prepared. And uh, just like even uh, Brother Gideon, you know, it sounds like you had fleeces that were uh, made wet when uh, uh, other people confirmed to you uh, what they felt about the calling on your life. Uh, and it's a real encouragement for the rest of us that uh, you, you weren't born, it doesn't sound like, into a huge political family or something that had tremendous amounts of uh, access or privilege. Uh, it was just something that you felt like you had a call and through a lot of hard work and elbow grease, uh, you got to where you are today. Am I am I reading that correctly? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the whole time, um, you know, you just I, sometimes I'll see candidates they they run for office and um, they kind of change and they they think that other people are supposed to do it for them and they're not. Um, you have to do that hard work and um, you know and just do everything. Um, the right way. There's always temptations to, you know, and people want you to. People want you to dump on your opponent or they want mm-hmm. you to do this or that. You know, I always look at life, you know, there were two plotters before me. There's the right and the wrong. And as long as I choose the right, um, it, it may seem, you know, it may seem like doing the wrong. Well, that's the easy way. You know, that's, that'll, that'll help me get me ahead. No, no, no. You choose the right. 
because when you choose to write God, take care of the rest. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the right, you know, was it easy knocking on all those doors? Of course it wasn't easy knocking on all those doors, but you know what? That was the right thing to do. And I met so many of the voters and they feel like they know me and they call and I can help them. And mm-hmm. um, that's, that's the right way to do it. Mm. And it's hard work, but well, it's it, the right. The other thing that struck me is when you said that, uh, you met other people who also ran, and they thought they had the right calling, and they were still trying to find out from God because they lost occasionally. Uh, and yeah. that's sort of how I feel like uh, Tom and I here in radio. Here we are in yep. our fifth year, and we're, we're still trying to find out if we're called to radio. <laughs> uh, we're sort of like athlete's foot. We're hard to get rid of, you know. Yeah, yeah I mean, that. It, you know, sometimes, yeah, well, you know, man, you know, man does make his own plans, but the Lord, you know, hopefully the Lord's directing our steps. That's and, right. That's right. Um, well, uh, you, you explained a little bit about why you decided to enter into politics, but can you explain to us what you hope to accomplish through your efforts? It was one thing to be called to do it. It's another thing to have a vision on how you could do something better than other people. What was your, what was your vision on what you wanted to see happen? Well, um, you know, it really bothers me that the Constitution, which I think is a wonderful document, um, is not always followed. Um, monopoly bothers me. Um, uh, rent-seeking bothers me. You know, having my economics background, it bothers me when people bring a business plan to the government and expect the government to put them in business. Mm-hmm. And I see this happen all the time, and I fight it constantly because they use the government. They are users of the government. That is not what government is to protect our rights. And, um, you know, our, our beautiful Declaration of Independence spells out we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Then we have our Constitution, and in our Constitution we have the Bill of Rights. And all of those rights in the Bill of Rights go back to, go back to um, <clears throat> supporting our rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are natural rights. They're rights given to us by God. They were right. They are rights we would have with or without a government. Now, some governments right. are oppressive. They take your life. They take your liberty. They take your pursuit of happiness. But our government was founded recognizing that we naturally have those things, and those things ought to be protected. So in our Bill of Rights, where we have freedom of speech, well, that goes back to our right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Our freedom of speech is part of liberty. It's part of our pursuit of happiness. Now, now, do you believe um, on the federal level that some of those freedoms as outlined in the Bill of Rights and in the Constitution and, and the, the control on the, on the powers that are spilled out, uh, do you feel like some of those are in jeopardy? Um, well, most definitely. And, you know, I, I think this is where um, I, I always... Um, you know, think about, you know, why do liberals think like they do? Why do conservatives think like they do? And I think this is where where it comes in. <clears throat> I think um, you can look at the rights in the Constitution and you can view them as negative rights or positive rights. And what I mean by that is, you let's take freedom of speech. It's the easiest one to use. You have the right to freedom of speech, and that means... 
um, you have the right to say anything you want. Even if you're upset at your government, you have, to, you have the right to stand there and say, boy, am I upset at the government? You have the right to say that. Now, there are some people um, who believe that, um, that that would be the negative right, that you have the right to say something. Except positive if you're in Missouri. Right. Except if you're in Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the positive right would be not only do you have the right to say something, but the positive right recognizes, well, you know, some people um, have a smaller voice than others. You know, like you, you have a whole radio show. Well, certainly your voice is a lot bigger than, say, my voice because I don't have a radio show. Some people might say, well, well, Susan, you're in public office, so people will really listen to you. So your right is bigger than the average citizen's right to freedom of speech because some people are very poor and nobody listens to the poor. And so what they believe is that government should expend funds to promote the, the right of, of, say, that poor person who doesn't have a very loud voice and that they should expend money to make their voice louder. Now, that would be the positive um, liberty view of that right. Um, I think the difference between conservatives and liberals is that conservatives view our liberties in the Constitution as negative liberties. Liberals mm -hmm. view them as positive liberties. So, in other words, it, where it says we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, um, I remember a constituent came to see me one day and she said, you know, I want you to make our state's um, Medicaid program, which was TenCare, I want you to make that uh, statewide so everybody is on TenCare. And I said, are you crazy? It's terrible. I mean, we can't afford what we're doing now. And she said, don't you believe in our Constitution? And I said, of course I do. And she said, don't you believe in the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? And I said, of course I do. And she said, don't you believe that includes health care? And I said, no, I don't. And I said, a right is something that costs somebody else nothing. If, in order to provide a right to you, I have to take money from someone else in order to provide you that right, I'm taking their property from them. I'm taking their liberty from them in order to provide you a right. That there is not a right. It's a service. It's a service. You know, the government performs services. But it's not a right. You do not have the right to health care. She viewed our liberties and the Constitution as positive liberties, where she thinks the government actually ought to provide her her liberties, whereas the conservative looks at those liberties in the Constitution as negative liberties, whereas, you know, I, I, I have the right to make my life what I want it to be, to dream big and go after my dreams. Certain things come my way, and I should, you know, I can take advantage of those opportunities. Best way to take advantage of an opportunity is through preparation. So I believe I should prepare, and when those opportunities come to me, I am equipped to take advantage of those opportunities because I'm prepared, I'm ready. That's the way the conservative views it, that the liberal views it, that the government should give you those things. And that's where, that's where we, we get in trouble. Representative, let me see if I understand what you're saying. In your designation that you made, I think is very, very important, and I hope to quote that to others in the future. In fact, I read it on yeah, your it was, blog. It was real good. When doing uh, research in your blog. Uh, if I understand what you're saying, true rights are, are truly, as, as our founding father said, they're given innately by God. And since they're okay. given by God, I don't even have the ability to give you those rights, nor anybody. I can possibly take them away by coercion. 
I can send in a policeman or a soldier and stop you, but I cannot give you those rights because God already gave you those rights. The, the rights, the rights that the statists talk about doing is actually a redistribution of wealth, where they make the decision on uh, something taken from someone else and redistribute uh, those those assets, uh, whatever property they have, and give it to others under the presumption that they've expanded their rights. Now, this leads me to a next step, and I'd like your, your thought or comment if I'm on the right track here. The, the, the state, it's like we would have commonly call liberals. It seems to me their general presumption is is that they see people who serve in the government across the board, particularly in federal government, are inherently more benevolent and have greater virtue than the average citizen in terms of responding to the needs of society. They believe that those who are in government, uh, since they have a, a better morality and better goal for the public, uh, should expect a right to be able to confiscate assets from some part of society and redistribute it for the betterment of society because they are a better arbiter of determining what's best for society than the average citizenry. Whereas the uh, an average individualist, uh, libertarian type uh, believer in, in, in freedom of individual rights, would say that the average common citizens are at least as benevolent as the government. And rather than having a small handful of elitists confiscate money and then divvy it up as they see, see put, as well as adding politics to it, all the other kind of factors, special interests to control it, they believe that individuals and communities are better arbiters of determining what their needs are and how to fix it than a handful of elites. It, would, would that also be true as well? I, I think that is true. And obviously the statist or the liberal view, it can't be right because what they are doing is they are taking somebody else's property in mm -hmm. order to provide whatever it is they think is so great um, that they ought to provide. And I'll tell you, it is, it is truly not everybody in government who thinks, right? I mean, a lot of my colleagues think that I am just, um, you know, are just terrible, you know, for being a conservative and um, just just think that I'm just awful. In fact, um it was funny, there was a bill on the floor the other day, and it was so selfish. Um, this legislator was trying to pass a law that would give um, legislators and former legislators broader gun rights than the average citizen. And I I stood up and I spoke about equal protection of the law, and that I thought what he was trying to do was elitist. Why on earth, just because you're elected to public office, should I have a broader um, you know, ability to carry a, a gun than the average citizen. I'm, I'm not better than them or anybody else. And one of the Democrats came up to me afterwards, and he's like, my, 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 the protector of the elite calling, um, you know, this this bill elite. And that's his view. <laughs> you know, when I, when I talk about private property and all, he thinks... When I defend private property, that I'm defending the elite. That's his view because he thinks he's got a right to take that property and, and redistribute it however he wants. Mm -hmm. And he thinks my view of defending that property is elitism. I think his view of that he can just take anything he wants I think that's elitism. Well, he has his own elite that he wants to support instead of what he perceives as someone else. And the irony of it is the political elite that they're referring to are actually funded many times and put in office by these same rich people that they say that they fight. Hmm. Uh, and that's the, that's the irony of that. We're back here at the Future Quake Show with Dr. Future. And Tom, I like lapdogs, bionic. 
Oh, he's got Pyro in his lap here right yeah, now. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. He's kind of our mascot. Yeah. Well, um, I thought that was a great first segment, yeah, and particularly getting to know uh, Representative Lynn very mm-hmm. well yeah. and hearing her, her, her testimony and her background and mm-hmm. the calling that she received. Uh, I would like to think that there's other people in our listening audience who are hearing a similar calling, mm-hmm. and they they need to follow up on it. Yeah, well. You know, she I, didn't really want to, but... Uh, God has a way of getting our attention. Yeah, it's funny how that works. You know, sometimes you don't get a choice. Well, the thing is, a lot of people think you can only get a calling to be a pastor or a missionary or Mm -hmm. something of that effect. Uh, But you can be called into any field. Yeah. Any field if the Lord needs to reach somebody there and that fielder has a task. You know, Nehemiah was an administrator. He was like... Representative he, Lynn. Well, not he, he the king's cup? Well, he's sort there. of like, well, I know, but he, but he came like the the governor over the area. Oh, well, after he was done. And so, I mean, there the were separate priests. There were separate things that were uh, to do a lot of those other duties. But he had a critical spiritual role, even though he wasn't typically, you know, mm-hmm. a traditional spiritual leader. And I think we need to keep that in mind. And uh, oh. I think everyone's going to really enjoy it. an interesting point. Yeah. I really enjoy the other comments that uh, Representative Lynn's going to make. One I want to make real quickly that I thought was one of the most important points she makes in her writing here mm-hmm. is that she says that um, if you have to take something from someone else to give it to another person, whatever that is is not a right. Yeah. That, that rights are innate. They're given by God. Mm-hmm. They're free to all. Um, we can, we can have them suspended or taken away through coercion, but uh, they're not taken from somebody and given to somebody. Yeah, yeah. The government uh, doesn't give you rights. Confiscation. Yeah, the government doesn't give you rights. God does. That's right. Yeah. You know, Robin Hood didn't give rights to the people of Sherwood Forest. He took stuff from other people and mm-hmm. gave it, you know, back yeah. to them. So, uh, we're about at the end here. So I guess we need to hear from uh, Merv yeah. to come out of the forest and uh, tell us how uh, people can contact us here at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, it's that time. It's the end of the road. Nice tights, Merv. Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, any last words? Oh, I can't think of any. I just need some more caffeine, I think. Okay. Well, no further ado, uh, we're going to say goodbye, but until tomorrow, we hope your future is very bright. Have a great day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom. I like the hard sciences bionic. Whoa. You know, these are like inside comments you make that from just we talk about in the studio. People have no idea what you're referring to. I know, but it gives it gives this kind of interesting sort of fourth dimensional 
thing to the show. As Brother Tom mentioned yesterday, he needs lots of caffeine yeah. at the day we're recording this. So just have to disregard some yeah. of his comments. Thankfully, they'll be brief from both of us today. <laughs> because we need to go to the second installment of our interview with uh, Rep- State Representative Susan Lynn, representing mm-hmm. the 57th District in Tennessee, talking about latest developments in state sovereignty versus federal domination. And uh, I found her content to be very, very useful. I overall enjoy her uh, over, well, more than overall. There was nothing that I disagreed with or even thought poorly of, of her Monday installment. I Mm -hmm. thought she was really good. Man, I wish I could reach at that status with you. Yeah, keep trying. Well, (laughs) we need to let her come on and uh, instruct us, and then we'll have a brief time of summary. So until then, here is Representative Susan Lynn, and we'll be back for a wrap-up on Future Quake. Let's let's get a little bit more toward this direction on what's uh, this this big issue right now on the state forefront, but uh, but going at it from from a state issue, I need to clarify something up front here. Um, many people are not aware of the scope of what uh, state governing officials handle. What what is their jurisdiction? What is the scope of the the, the kind of impact? that they can have uh, on society and on communities. We hear a lot on the news about federal government and what they're doing, and they're basically usurping any power right now with reckless abandon. But but tell us what, what kind of impact one can accomplish within the domain of state government. What's the scope of what you can do to impact all of us out here? Well, let's remember that the United States is a collection of states. And I, I am very much a state's right person. Mm-hmm. Um, each state has its own legislature, its own governor, and the people of that state elect those people to represent them. And um, the people of that state have the right to make the laws that apply to their state. And um, that's what we do in the state legislature. We make the laws that apply to our state. Um, as a state representative, what I do is I, I represent um, about 60,000 people, and I am their voice. I am their advocate in state government. When um, If they have a problem, they can call me. I will call another department for them and try to, you know, get, what it, get whatever help they need, um, you know, fixed. And I will be that, um, you know, liaison for them. Sometimes people have a problem with the state department, and they just pull their hair out and if they just call their state representative, we, we um, you know, the the, part, the state departments listen to the people who vote on their budget, trust me. Uh, we are very happy to help them. But sometimes people call me and there really is no solution. Sometimes the law really does need to be changed because it's unjust mm-hmm. and it's not accounting for something that, you know, really um, is a just thing to do. So, therefore, we will then file a piece of legislation when the General Assembly meets in January through May, we are running that legislation through the General Assembly. Now, when our constituents call us, um, some legislators, they will simply, you know, file anything they want. And in, in their view, you know, they're probably making their constituent happy and that constituent is going to vote for them again or whatever. But in reality, it probably isn't a really good idea for a law But other times. It is a really good idea for a law. So all of these things, um, the state legislature, all 99 of us in the House, we get together and we discuss these pieces of legislation and we say, we decide um, through our own experiences, like, you know, my background is in, in economics. We've got some people who are doctors, policemen, teachers, um, 
uh, business people, insurance people, all different people, and we all get together and throw our background, we debate these pieces of legislation and decide if this indeed should be a new law in the state of Tennessee. So one, we try to help our constituents. Two, we um, create bills for new laws and we debate bills for new laws. And the third thing we do is that we vote on the state budget. The administration, the governor and his um, administration, they come up with a budget to run our state. They hand the budget to the state legislature and we review it. And um, sometimes we make changes, um, sometimes we don't. And in the end, we vote on the state budget. So basically, we try to help the people who live in our district vote on new laws for the state of Tennessee, and we vote on a budget for the state. That budget is a budget that the governor, throughout the rest of the year, must live within and work hard to um, restrain spending so that he's the departments are living within that budget. As you know, it just so happens that most states right now, their revenues are down. Tennessee is no different. Our revenues are down. So during the course of this year, the governor has told the state departments, you need to restrain your spending by as much as 15% mm-hmm. because the revenues are down. That way, when it comes around to the end of the budget year, um, hopefully we will not have a huge um, budget deficit. But let, let, let me ask you. Let me ask you, are you required by by state constitution to have a balanced budget? Um, Yes, we are, um, and we do. In Tennessee, the only thing that we go into debt for is capital projects. That is it, and that is a project that would build, say, a building at a college or a new state building or something like that. We do not go into debt for any other reason. Now, going into debt for a capital project is very common. Just like if you purchased a home, you would probably get a mortgage because most people cannot afford to um, purchase something that large outright. Um, that's why that is a principle with the state. The only thing we go into debt for is to build, say, a building. We finance that over a certain number of years. Otherwise, our budget is balanced, and um, it is always balanced. But you don't have the also, option of printing and, money. You, you can't print money. Right. <laughs> we cannot print money. Right. And we also cannot put earmarks on bills. In the federal government, as you you witness all the time, they just throw all these amendments to bills. They're called earmarks. Any little goodie that mm-hmm. uh, they want to put on there. We can't do that. In the Tennessee State Constitution, there is a clause that says each bill must only deal with one subject and um, it has to be according to the caption of the law that it opens. So when we have a bill, say, dealing with, um, let's say, uh, transportation, um, it opens a small caption of the law. It can only deal with whatever within that caption of the law. So let's say it's uh, Title uh, Six, um, Chapter Four, um, uh, you know, and then the section that that would be the only thing that can deal with. You can't tack on something there, say, for education or for Mm -hmm. health or whatever, because it doesn't open that caption of the law. So Mm -hmm. our Constitution in Tennessee restrains us very well. Another thing we do in Tennessee is every single state department, board, and commission has a sunset date. It is a date where they will cease to exist unless extended by the General Assembly. 
So, and that's, I'm the chairman of the Government Operations Committee, and that's a function of my committee to review the State Department's boards and commissions. Mm. We have performance audits done, and we review these performance audits, and we decide, um, you know, what is the value that you are giving the taxpayers, and should you continue to exist? And um, we will then extend them. We can only extend the Department Board or Commission by as much as eight years. Sometimes we'll give them one year, two years. Sometimes we'll give them, um, you know, maybe six or seven years, um, depending on the size of the entity and, you know, what they do and if their audit was good or what so mm-hmm. have you. Um, and I think that's another really good part of the Tennessee uh, government that, that we do. I wish the federal government would do that because when they create something, it seems to never go away. That's right. That's right. Yeah. We it's all like spend inter- money on it. It's like entropy. It only increases. Um, well, one, one last point I want to make clear to, to understand our, our, our jurisdiction of things. What areas are off limits that are only the jurisdiction of local governments? That are only, uh, so you mean like a city or right. a county? That's correct. Um, <clears throat> well, they don't really make laws. They make ordinances. Um and counties don't even really make mm-hmm. laws um, or ordinances. They don't really even make ordinances. Like zoning um, issues, things like this. Right. They do do. They can do local zoning. Mm-hmm. Um, but counties typically don't. They can do. They can do whatever the state government gives them the right to do. Every every county has a charter. Um, that the state government approved so that they could be a county, and generally those charters are very old um, because they were formed a long time ago. Every city also has a charter that the state government has approved, and they have certain powers within their charter. If they ever want to do something that's outside of their charter, they have to ask the state government if they can do it, and then it goes back um, to the city or the county, and then they have to... Mm -hmm. Um, vote in favor of doing that by supermajority. So, well, it leaves me um, the impression that the the state government is where it's at, uh, and we're going to talk about the federal government next here. Uh, and we've talked many times about the the limitations of jurisdiction of the federal government uh, intended by our founding fathers. Uh, but with with a limited local government uh, field or, or scope, uh, well, the federal government, the state is really one that should, in a proper functioning government, probably have the broadest influence over individuals' lives, should it not? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. That's very interesting. We we have a large national audience that listens to this show, and I'm assuming what we just talked about here would be very common across other states across the Union, correct? Oh, yes, definitely. I think um, we're, we're most of the states have a bicameral legislature, which means they have a House and a Senate. There's only one state that doesn't have a bicameral legislature, but basically all the states are pretty um, much the same. Now, their their way they prepare their budget might be different. The way they Mm -hmm. vote on bills in their legislature might be a little different, but generally the concepts are similar. So they should be broadest in scope, and also I sense that they have stayed closest to their original roots of how they were intended to function as opposed to the federal government. And, And on that particular topic, uh, leading into this discussion of the uh, Tennessee uh, House Joint Resolution 108, can, can you explain in your understanding what is the proper and lawfully defined scope and mission and jurisdiction of the federal government 
and its relationship to the states. What is your understanding of the limits of the scope of federal government, what it, what uh, the state's role is, and how that you know leads in again to uh, Resolution 108? Well, um, as you know, the states created the federal government. Um, and the federal government, when the Constitution was first created, um, there was a big argument for years and years about whether the rights in um, the Constitution, once they adopted the Bill of Rights, it took a long time to adopt the Bill of Rights, but once they adopted the Bill of Rights, there was a big question about whether those rights actually apply to the state government. Now, where did they get the Bill of Rights? They actually got the Bill of Rights by looking at the state governments, because the state governments that were already in creation had um, such rights in their state constitutions. And it's fascinating when you read about the different state constitutions, and they all didn't have the same rights. Um, It's very interesting. Mm -hmm. So when they created um, the Bill of Rights, they looked at those rights that the state governments had. And, of course, you know, we're talking about people of the Enlightenment era and all of that and the classical republicanism. That's how they had been educated. And so, you know, this, like I said, it's a constitution that supports our natural rights. Um, when they came up with the Bill of Rights, all of these rights in the Bill of Rights go back and support those natural rights. In fact, the original Constitution did not, the federal Constitution did not have a Bill of Rights because there was a big argument. Um, our, our founders, a lot of them argued, you know, why should we, um, you know, basically everything is permissive, which is not illegal, so why should we state something because you, you couldn't ever state it all. Right. Um, they were very worried about mm-hmm. that. And so there was not a Bill of Rights, but then other folks, they wanted a Bill of Rights very much. Eventually, we did get a Bill of Rights. The federal government, you know, they they regulate commerce, protect our shores. Um, uh, You know, there's many different things um, in the Constitution that is their domain, but anything that isn't in there, anything that isn't in there is the domain of the state's. And we know that the federal government has very much um, overstepped their bounds and taken on, um, you know, usurped the the state's rights very much. And all the time from the federal government, um, we suffer having to change our laws because they are telling us to do a particular thing a certain way. Representative, let me make sure I understand uh, the point you're making. If, if I hear you correctly, the 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 federal government, as outlined in the Constitution, uh, has a goal of preserving rights, not uh, each of our individual rights, so one doesn't encroach on the other, uh, as a, as opposed to defining them or, or creating additional rights. They're, they're simply preserving the rights, and particularly issues that could go across uh, state jurisdictions. If there are interstate issues or things, if we have a common uh, external threat to the United States, they provide national defense. Uh, they protect our borders. That, that again, is a multi-state kind of issue. If we have, uh, we need courts when we have disagreements that go across state lines. That's very well defined, and, and you can pretty much count that on one hand, the kind of fundamental freedoms that they're basically serving as a referee uh, to make sure that one, one's expression of freedom doesn't impinge on another. Uh, and then in the Tenth Amendment, uh, I believe it's the Tenth, it explains that everything else is the jurisdiction of the states. 
Mm-hmm. Is that is that it in a nutshell, basically? That that is it in a nutshell. And you know, there very much are issues of interstate commerce and things like that that um, definitely need to be settled. Um, you know, in the old days, um, you know, states would get ideas, legislators would get ideas that if you had a debt in another state, oh well, we could just cancel that for you. Well, we mm-hmm. all know that's not fair. That's stealing. And that's not that's not right. So things like that are prevented, and that's only right that it that things like that should be prevented. Um, but yes, that that is it. And really, um, you know what? We're I'm Tennessean. I'm proud to be a Tennessean. Every Tennessean I know is proud to be a Tennessean. And we have a right <laughs> to make our own laws that we live under. And I yeah. know that people from Georgia and California and New Mexico they all feel the same way. Um, they are proud. To be New Mexicans and and to run their state the same way, and um, you know when it's really funny, we've had a, quite a few people move to Tennessee, and people from California, they've moved here, and they'll call me and they'll say, "Oh, we love Tennessee, we love Tennessee." Well, before long, they'll call me in about three more months, and they'll say, "You know, in California, we had a law to do this or that," and I'll say, "Now, now." You told me you like to hear in Tennessee, and this is how we do things <laughs> right. like that. So I just kind of tease them a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'd like to tease them a little bit, but um, you know we different. are different, right? Absolutely, we are different. The states are different, and I think um, those differences are great. I, I, it's just great because we we run Tennessee the way you know Tennesseans want Tennessee run, and that's freedom. That's freedom. When the federal government, you know, they, they've got these legislators up there, and, you know, I don't want a legislator from, from California telling us how to do things in Tennessee through the federal government, but that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'll tell you another just an example we, we lived through recently. When the first bailout bill came out, oh, yeah. uh, we, we had some pretty strong opinions here as well as our guests and our listeners. We contacted local officials here uh, at that level. Um, they acknowledged overwhelmingly opposition to these bailout bills. Uh, they personally, uh, some of their staffers contacted me. One of the things is they admitted their ignorance of the whole issue. And they had not read the bills. They didn't know the contents, the other hooks that were involved. They were fearful of the people. They expressed to me they were concerned of public opinion. But they went against public opinion anyway because they were kowtowed by their own leadership and their own parties in both parties. And so there was a complete disconnect between the will of the – I mean, I could send an email, but it it went into a black hole. And even when they acknowledged they had it, it had absolutely no influence, neither neither us nor all of the other citizenry Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on their decisions because they, they stand under the tyranny of the atmosphere of Washington. Now, I'm I'm hoping that that same kind of atmosphere is not common where you function and that there's a much greater degree of access that people can really make their positions known and know they're going to be seriously pondered when you consider legislation. Well, I I think there's a great deal of access to state legislators, but I have to tell you, anybody, anybody um, can develop a culture and Sometimes it is almost like, well, some people will say, you know, being in the legislature, you know, whether federal or state, oh, it can be like a fraternity or it can be like a family. Sometimes I think it's like fifth grade. Um, uh, or maybe like, the, maybe like the Mas- Manson family. Uh, the pure pressure <laughs> uh, can be ridiculous, absolutely you know, ridiculous. And you know what? I was always yeah. someone, when I was a kid, my favorite story was um, – the Emperor's New Clothes, 
And I would, I always thought, I would tell that emperor he wasn't wearing any clothes. I would tell him, remember the peer pressure on the emperor's new, new clothes. Everybody's saying, oh, yes, I can see his clothes. Oh, they're wonderful. Because why? Only smart people can see them. And so they, thought, they all thought, well, I better say that I can see his clothes. Right. Well, the one little boy comes along and says, emperor, you're naked. Um, you know, basically, the peer pressure in bodies can be tremendous. And really, what you really need is people who are willing to act as individuals, who are willing to remember, I represent the people back home. That's who I'm voting for. That's who I represent. And I need to remember them when I cast my votes. Now, I don't care what my seatmate thinks or, or the leadership thinks or anything else. I'm voting for the good and the welfare of my people back home. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It yeah. sounds like it sounds like another good approach to handle that inherent problem when you get groups of people together in groupthink is just to minimize the jurisdiction any governing body has over the free exercise of rights and self-determination of any individual. Uh, by by keeping the bounds limited with any of these bodies, you uh, minimize the mischief they can do in any of our personal lives. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I can tell you, I, I don't really know how it is in other states or even at the federal level, but at the state level, in Tennessee at least, um, the parties do not direct us at all. The mm-hmm. party, I mean the state parties, mm-hmm. uh, they do not direct us at all. In fact, it, you would be surprised that many legislators really don't have a very good relationship with the state parties because, um, you know what, they never did enough to elect me. They didn't spend enough money on my campaign. They did this wrong. They did that wrong. That's what they all think. It's really not the parties. It's really the people within the legislature. And sometimes there can be that, like you said, that group think or peer pressure. Mm -hmm. And everybody's just running in one direction. And, you know, you just got to stop the crowd and say, wait a minute, let's mm-hmm. use some logic here. Well, well let's, let's talk about this uh, uh, Resolution 108. I believe I have the number right, uh, which uh, recognizes uh, the 10th Amendment and state sovereignty versus other federal government. Do I, do, do I have my resolution number correct? You do. It's HJR 108. Uh, 108. What is it and what is it intended to do and how does it relate well, to other similar movements nationwide? Well, last summer, um, I saw, I think it was Oklahoma, they had filed a resolution, and um, it was basically telling the federal government, hey, back off, you know, stop sending us unfunded mandates, mm-hmm. stop forcing us to change our laws, uh, we don't want to do that. And I thought, please, that's wonderful. Well, we were in session in the summer, so I just kind of saved it in a file, and then a session drew near this year. Um, I looked into um, creating one. Well, by that time, there were quite a number of others already created. And so I pulled them all together, and I actually asked um, one of my closest friends in the world, who's a retired Army colonel, um, if he would, you know, I I read some of them, and he read, um, actually, I read all of them, he read all of them. And then we got our heads together, and we said, you know, what is it that we like about them, and what is it that we don't like? And um, we chose a style that I think is just um, very clean and easy to understand. understand. Some of them are very historic. Some of them call for secession. Um, You know, I knew if we created one that calls for secession, it's never going to pass the Tennessee General Assembly. Um, That's not going to that's not going to pass. Um, the very historic ones, you got a little lost in the middle, though it was wonderful reading, mm-hmm. but you could get a little lost. I just wanted something more to the point. Um, so I, I basically um, put one together, just, you know, 
telling the federal government to halt its practice of assuming powers and of imposing mandates upon the states for purposes not enumerated by the Constitution. Hmm. Okay. And by the way, thank you on our behalf for supporting that. Uh, That is a common, no-nonsense, common-sense kind of thing that everyone we know is fully behind. And it's so refreshing to hear uh, local politicians who actually grasp the, the common sense nature of that. We're back here at the Future Quake Show with Dr. Future. And Tom Milk Toast Bionic. Milk Toast. Mmm, Milk Toast. What well, brought out Milk Toast? Because it's just yummy and it doesn't offend anybody and it's just, mmm, Milk Toast. You never know what's going on in Tom Bionic's mind. <laughs> he doesn't even now, know. You know, Milk Toast is actually spelt without like M-I-L-K. Did yeah. you know that? It's like M-I-L-Q-U-E. Yeah. I did know that. Very mysterious. Mm-hmm. has nothing to do with our talk with Representative Lynn, and I don't know why you brought it up. But what, one thing I did like about uh, comments she had to make uh, regarding, uh, well, I guess putting two and two together, what she talked about, about the roles of federal, state, and local government, is really the lion's share of the responsibilities on state government. Yeah, well, truly. They have sort of the an eight charter. The whole point of the Ninth and Tenth Amendment, uh, by the way, the people who were supposed to send in the CD didn't do that, but is that the states had the power and the Fed didn't. Right. For most right. things. Well, someone who has the ultimate authority here is Merv. Merv, would you come in and tell our listeners how they can contact us? Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we're way late. All right, let's get out of here. Okay, thank you. Bye. Get you some caffeine. Woo! Tomorrow we'll be back for the third installment of Future Quake. Until then, we hope your future is very bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, no middle name, Bionic. Oh, man. I miss those no middle name days. You're not missing those right yeah. now. He's, he's still suffering caffeine depletion, as we stated earlier. And uh, yeah. so I'm we're like, just getting less productive like, well, middle names. Yeah, I'm like a record on super slow. Yeah. Welcome, folks. Well, we don't have time for super slow because okay. we don't have much time today. Right. Well, We're going to our third installment with State Representative Susan Lynn, representing the 57th District in Tennessee, talking about the latest developments in state sovereignty versus federal domination. Mm-hmm. And uh, we appreciate having a lawfully elected official in here to spend time at the quake. As versus to like an unlawfully elected well, official? Well, you know, she's actually legitimate compared yeah. to most of us on here. And uh, it was just nice to uh, hear her sharing in detail about even personal uh, things about her mm-hmm. spiritual life and things I like that, that as well. Nice, yeah. And we'll hear some more about that in this. But we've got right. some very interesting house bills to talk about that have national significance. So yes. with no further ado, here's uh, Representative Susan Lynn, and then we'll be right back to wrap it up on Future Quick. Uh, let me ask you this. With this passing, and by the way, what is its status right now? 
Um, it is in the Civil Practice Subcommittee. They have had so many bills on their calendar that this bill has had to be rolled week after week after week. They just haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah. What do you think will happen to it and when? Well, um, I think it I think it will probably pass. Tennessee passed a similar resolution about 15 years ago, um, and I'm not sure what the other states were doing at that time, but right now a lot of states are passing these. And people say to me, you know, Susan, what good is this going to do? We just send it to Washington, and they don't care, they don't listen. But I think corporately, with all of the states taking action, or hopefully all the states will take action, and telling telling the federal government this, um, hopefully corporately we will have um, an impression and make an impression and have a voice. What I asked for at the end of um, my resolution is that there be a committee of conference and correspondence assembled by um, the leaders of the House and the Senate in Tennessee. We will not only send this to Washington, we will send this to the other states, and we will ask them or invite them to um, join with us in creating a committee uh, among the states to look at these mandates. Let's enumerate them, make a list, and then tell the federal government this is what we want um, um, changed and retracted, and and we, we don't like this. You know, will they listen to us? Wow. Who knows? But you know what? This is what we think in Tennessee. We draw their congressional districts. We draw, you know, we draw those districts. So, um, you know what? Maybe that'll give us first because we're coming up on redistricting. <laughs> <laughs> we, we joke about that all the time. Well, well, we me, joke about that all the time, believe me. Well, let me ask you this. Um, if, if this is passed and this becomes Tennessee law, doesn't that give you the right when the state comes down with other mandates that are not enumerated in the Constitution to just simply ignore them? Aren't, well, aren't you in the right of the law to do that? No, this is a resolution. This is not law. So what this is, it's the voice of the General Assembly of Tennessee speaking to the federal government. But this is not law. We already have law. The federal, the Constitution of the United States government already okay. says this. Okay. Um, our state constitution, you know, already um, spells out what we do. It's just being ignored. So, why so we want to, as the Tennessee General Assembly, use our voice to blatantly tell the federal government, stop. So why don't we uh, mandate... Or excuse me, what, what, why don't we just ignore these mandates and just disregard them when they're not in the jurisdiction? If that's settled law uh, and it would require them to go to court uh, to try to prove otherwise, why, why, why don't we just simply ignore these mandates when they come down and say they're, they're unlawful? Well, it is the job of the administration um, to follow the federal uh, guidelines. So these federal things come down. Sometimes we have to change our law. Sometimes it's by rule, and they just, you know, they just do it. They just follow it. Um, I guess, you know, we would need direction from a governor, um, each state would, to tell the federal government, hey, uh, you've just told my state that we have to do this, and we are refusing. Mm -hmm. So, in other words, we need a brave governor to say the settled yeah. law says you can't do this. Therefore, to obey the law... I have to ignore the unlawful action that you took. Right. 
Exactly. Well, uh, if this if the sitting governor won't uh, obey the law and and uh, follow it, uh, do you know somebody we can uh, nominate forward to do that to fill that position? <laughs> I think there's already a lot of people I know in Tennessee that are running for governor, so okay. we can question them about this during the campaign season. Seems like a pretty straight seems like a pretty straightforward approach. Yeah. If they're doing something that's unlawful, our, our governor is ending his term here, his his second term, so right. he cannot run again. So. Right. Well, uh, you know, that'd be a great parting shot for him, you know. If he doesn't have much to lose, uh, just to decide that uh, he, he's going to enforce the rule of law. And I think that'd be a that'd wonderful be a departure for a politician yeah. Uh, yeah. to do. To now, the it. worst thing might happen is standing troops on our ground here. Uh, now, they're not allowed to quarter them in our homes, supposedly, in the Constitution. Well, but they haven't they, been following that too closely they, anyway. So. They may occupy. They have before. <laughs> A little over 100 years ago, they occupied the territory here, federal troops, when they didn't like what was going on. But um, it's just very interesting, and I think our citizens are so ignorant of this issue and what their rights are. We've had so many rights taken from us under the guise, under the New Deal, under the last generations of government intervention, that instead of liberating us, what it has done is it shackled us mentally and otherwise and made us a very, very needy people. And we need to step step up and recognize our freedom that we have. And it sounds like that's a lot of what your uh, particular focus in, in your work uh, in, in legislation oh, has been. Absolutely. I'll tell you, I love to speak to those kids in school and the grade schools and the high schools because I always make these points to them. And I think that's where we probably really lost it, the textbooks in the public schools. And in Tennessee, we have a state textbook commission. What they do is they look over the textbooks that are published, and they choose a selection of history books for, you know, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, every grade, a selection of math books or whatever. Then the local school districts, um, you know, they the state says these are acceptable textbooks, and the local school district chooses among the approved te- textbooks from the state. People can get involved with the State Textbook Commission. They can have a voice. I send it out to my district all the time on my email. I have an email of about 5,000, and I'll let them know when that State Textbook Commission is meeting to review textbooks. And what we need to do is have people involved in choosing the textbooks that haven't reconstructed history, that Mm -hmm. haven't rewritten history and twisted things. We need textbooks that give a proper uh, view of history, and like I said, that understanding that the Constitution is a document of negative rights, and that mm-hmm. gives you the most freedom. You're not dependent on anything. You can simply live freely. If you, in expressing um, your right to do something, bump into someone else's right, you got to back off, or else, you know, the, there is law to protect the other person's rights, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you, you will be punished or whatever. Um, you have the right to express your freedoms until they bump into someone else's freedom, and then you got to pull back. That's right. Well, I just want to let you know that I'll speak for Tom Bionic here, that I think he and I would both volunteer to select the textbooks that would be appropriate oh, for yeah. school children in oh, Tennessee. Yes. We just had G. Edward Griffin, who wrote The Creature from Jekyll Island, who's the defendant authority on the Federal Reserve. So we have these uh, historians very typically uh, yeah. on, on I think that song. would be a great uh, textbook. We, we, we're just going to make ourselves available to you on, on call as you need us, Representative mm-hmm. Lynn, all right? <laughs> uh, we, well, get, you can go to my website, get on my email list, and I send that out um, whenever I am notified that the State Textbook Commission is meeting to review uh, the new textbooks and to pick them for our school. So. 
Well, that's great. Well, you know, there's another uh, bill that, that's fascinating to me that, that you're involved with that you've mentioned, and that's House Bill 1778. Uh, and as okay. I understand it, regards the prohibition of federal confiscation of lawful firearms from citizens during time of martial law. Is, is that right. the correct scope? Now, I, I naturally yeah. presume that, that that was partially inspired by what occurred during the Katrina incident. When uh, federal officials came in and totally ignored constitutional rights of citizens to lawfully have their uh, weapons at home for protection and summarily went and confiscated all of them and made them vulnerable to the uh, unsavory elements of uh, society at that point. Um, what, what do you hope to accomplish with this, and what is the scope of the legislation? Oh, just simply that people have the right to defend themselves. What is more horrifying than, you know, being a citizen and you cannot defend yourself when there's chaos going on out there? Um, the government has taken your weapons and then there are people out there who may take advantage of you, take your property, um, maybe harm you um, just during a time of chaos. Um, that would be horrifying, absolutely like a, a science fiction movie. Um, we have to allow, um, not allow, but citizens have the right to defend themselves, and they have the right to own guns, and we have to make sure that um, just because we've neglected to put it in the law positively that they have the right to keep their arms in the case of uh, a time of martial law or something like that, that doesn't happen. Should there be some sort of catastrophe, we don't want the governor or anybody just to say, okay, go confiscate every gun that you see. Right. Uh, we're going to put it in the law saying you, that they can't do that. They, that would be unlawful for them to do that. Do, do you know other states that are also uh, approving similar legislation? Yes, other states are. I'm not sure specifically which states, but really mm -hmm. just looking at Katrina and then hearing mm -hmm. a lot of the stories from that, that's, you know, what what has spawned this and, um, you know, who would think that we'd need to do something like this, but it's important that sure. we do. Well, let me ask you this. If hopefully this passes uh, and we would have federal troops come in here for some type of emergency and they come in as federal troops to uh, Dr. Future's home here and to take away our means of defending ourselves, uh, does this legislation give me any grounds to resist them as federal troops? I, I would assume um, National Guard it would, it would certainly do it if they uh, if they would choose to acknowledge the rule of law. But what about for federal troops? Yes, I I don't think it for that protection that would need to be done at the federal level. So they'd have um, to acknowledge the Constitution. We need a good federal legislator, right? I think we need a good federal legislator to um, pass this at the federal level. And as you know, at this time, um, with everything that is going on in the federal government. Um, something like this at the federal level would be very difficult to pass at this mm -hmm. time. It's just quite sad what is right. going on. Yeah. So at least you could keep the National Guard's mitts off our protection uh, unless we've committed some crime or have some strong reason to believe that we're, we've been involved in a crime. Uh, at least no right. state officials will be able to come get our uh, instruments away from right. us. Okay. Right. Well, thank you so much for for your leadership uh, mm -hmm. in that particular area. I, I, I've alluded to the uh, Missouri's MIAC report. 
uh, which if, if you've been following this in the news, um, was, a, was a secret report uh, circulated within the law enforcement community within Missouri uh, where there was guidance provided from outside groups to them uh, saying that groups that uh, supported the Constitution, uh, supported uh, national sovereignty versus the U.N., people who were pro-life, uh, people who supported libertarian causes or even libertarian party, uh, Constitution party, people supported uh, Chuck Baldwin, who's been a guest on our show, or, or Ron Paul or even Bob Barr, uh, are people who are suspect uh, of, of uh, maybe being associated with uh, violent elements. Uh, have you followed this story much? And uh, if so, what are your I, thoughts you know, on it? And how, how can we protect ourselves in Tennessee from uh, becoming under that same uh, form of tyranny and uh, watch watchkeeping? We're in session right now, and I'll tell you when we're in session, I I don't pay attention to much that's going on. A lot of us legislators, we just can't. I, you know, our our workload is tremendous mm-hmm. during session. In fact, I myself was handed 125 bills at the beginning of session to run for my committee. I've Whoa. run uh, 82 of them so far in about six weeks. So um, it's just tremendous. But I, I have heard about this, and it is just, you know, just, Stunning to me um, that people who, you know, support liberty um, would be suspect, and it's heartbreaking. I mean, I just, I can't understand what is happening with the government. I really can't. But I do know, and I've always believed this, I think there's a pendulum out there, and I think it swings both ways. And I think when it swings real far to the left, it gathers momentum, and it swings back. Mm-hmm. You know, to the right, and then of course it swings real far to the right. It gathers momentum again. It swings back to the left, unfortunately, and um, that just seems to be the way it goes. But are we going to swing so far to the left that you know we just can't get back? Um, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like we need a, an overhaul. At right. some point, you got to reboot. <laughs> you know what I mean? You've got to right. reboot, mm-hmm. and that's it. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, I'm I'm not so much concerned about where they swing their pendulum left or right. It's that, that it swings away from me, because it usually has a guillotine yeah. attached to it, and uh, yeah. that's that's the concern I have. Uh, is that w- whatever our personal opinions are about the morality of the law, and 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 some of these things are things that are best uh, determined in our own uh, spiritual uh, pursuits and things like this, but that we have individual self determination. And I see that largely disappearing. And, and I mentioned the, the pro-life situation, and, and this should really hit home to many in our evangelical community because uh, these reports actually said that these people needed to be monitored because they were likely connected to unsavory elements, including those who supported pro-life causes or had bumper stickers in support of it. And I asked their uh, people there, uh, you know, representatives of the state of Missouri, if this means that there potentially could be government officials that could actually be setting in our churches when we have a Sanctity of Life Sunday, uh, trying to, uh, you know, see what's being said there or taking names. And they they were very sheepish about it and said, well, hopefully it won't go that far. Uh, yeah, or so I think, a, a conservative legislator like me listening to my phone calls perhaps or, or something like that, um, you know, I think they would be, you know, rather bored because I don't plot or plan anything. I just... You know, try to speak for the mm-hmm. for liberty, just for liberty, and um, yeah, it's it's just terribly uh, disconcerting, and uh, I I really I, it's just so 
disconcerting. I, it's just unbelievable. It's like a foreign land. Well, as your staff has time, if they can look at that issue further, and we have information we can supply too, yeah. uh, to, to see if we can head things off at the pass. Uh, here in uh, Tennessee, it appears that the federal government through Department of Homeland Security and other elements, including some special interest groups that label just about everyone a hate group that doesn't uh, espouse their political uh, cause, were behind this, and it came from the top down. And I think Missouri just had to be, be caught with uh, being loose, and some people who were, I think, real patriots uh, leaked this information out where people were aware of it. But the pressure is going to come down on every state, and we just would like to encourage you, as, as time permits, to see what we can do to, to put some yeah. prohibition in to put, a, put the stop to that before it starts in our own state. If you get a copy of that report, you should check it out. You'll uh, Unfortunately, you'll be shocked. It's uh, It names a lot of people by name and... Uh, yeah, it's just I not would a good thing. love to see that, and if you if you guys can email that to me, yeah, sure, uh, I we would can do very that. much like to see that. Well, in a related topic, do you have any thoughts related to the Patriot Act uh, or other similar curtailments of civil liberties we've had uh, under this period of time while we've been fighting the war on terror? That's been the justification for monitoring the internet, um, uh, trying to restrict certain things on the internet or other. Uh, uh, you know, uh, things over the airwaves and things like this. What, what are your thoughts about this uh, action uh, under the guise of trying to protect the citizenry of really curtailing our, our freedom of communication and speech and, and expression? That also is a federal issue, and I would have to look more into that. I mean, I have read about it, and there's things that are extremely disturbing um, about it, and as a state legislator, unfortunately, I, I can't do much about that. And it's hard for people to understand. Um, so many times people will call me and, you know, they're calling me about the tariff and they're calling me about this or that. And I tell them, you know what? Our federal legislators really don't communicate with us. You would think they would mm-hmm. call us and say, hey, what are the people saying? What are they mm-hmm. thinking? And they don't. Um and that that does bother me. I feel like as a state legislator, we are very close to the people, mm-hmm. very close to the people, and we hear what they say. Um, I wish they would call, and you know, I could give them my view and perspective. Um, I I just you know I, I wish they didn't have the feeling that they know better than than all of us mm-hmm. right. all the time, and you know, I it, it is so disconcerting to me. And how how do we stop that? How do we overcome that? I I think that's what elections are for. Mm-hmm. That's all I can say. Okay. I, all right. Well, it, it just seems to me that I, I know you're limited in your jurisdiction, but you've already taken some steps with the resolutions we've talked about to try to at least enforce the limits that are there on the federal government to to stay out of state business. And even some of that may provide some measure of protection uh, that's better than nothing if we have a good, diligent uh, state legislative group uh, that is mindful of our rights. Uh, In in our last segment of of our interview here, I wondered if you could just spend a few minutes to look at the future with us as we we conclude here. as a as a Republican, and I, as I understand, you you ran on a Republican Party. Wh- what do you think your party will need to remain viable on a national level? And and do you see any individuals you think that should be given prominence uh, in the party right now that you think have the right stuff 
uh, to be able to support the things you think the party needs? Well, I can tell you, as I knock on doors, I am a great door knocker during elections. I just go out and knock on doors and talk to people. Mm-hmm. And people are conservative. Um, they truly are. Uh, one thing I have noticed, though, is that even if the most conservative people, sometimes there's people, that they say that they're conservative, but there's that one program or service that the government is doing and they they want it. They want that to continue. Mm-hmm. And all of those things add up. I think individually as people, we have to stop expecting the federal government or the state government to do things for us um, because it's taking money out of all of our pockets and hurting all of us. Um, as legislators, there's a lot of educating that we have to do of ourselves when we get in there. Um we have to have a, a good understanding of the Constitution and take that time to develop that understanding, the understanding of the law and how the law is made, uh, understanding of, of different industries, um, of economics, of um, just different different concepts dealing with liberty. And we take the time to educate ourselves, we'll be much better legislators um, than we would otherwise. And it's hard. I mean, being a state legislator, um, I'll tell you, it takes all my time. I, and, and we're not paid most. We're paid about $19,000 a year. And uh, my husband likes to say he works to support my political habit. Um, <laughs> He does. He, so, he really does. So that's the um, largesse that you uh, collect from the public coffers. Yeah. And please remember, your state legislator, um, most of them have other jobs. Mm-hmm. The, the job is, is really enormous. The amount of reading, the amount of studying, all of that is really enormous. And your state legislator, I want you to know, does an awful lot of work. They need to hear from you. Ought to hear from you. Mm-hmm. You have a right to make your voice heard. Go down to their office, email them, telephone them, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, but also um, give them some slacks too, because the job <laughs> is enormous. Uh-huh. Uh, really, I mean, I give them some slack um, for their time because I know sometimes people call me, and I always try to call everyone with that. But there are times when I can't, and I, I get it burns on me. You know, I get disappointed in myself, and. You know, I hope people will have that patience. So I, I think people can never stop paying attention. I think all of us have to educate ourselves on the rights and what the Constitution really means, and your, your legislators have to mm-hmm. do that too. And um, mm-hmm. really remember that's what elections are for. We're back here at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, the answer to 1984 is 1776 Bionic. Okay, there's the old middle name again. There you again. go, yeah. How do you work on this? Do you have a blackboard at home? You just yeah, write I, them actually, all down? I spend hours driving around the FutureQuake compound coming up with these things. Oh, that's amazing. Can people submit sol- uh, hey, suggestions for middle name? Hey, thing. Yeah, if they come up with something witty, we might, I might use yeah. it. They could either send it to our website or send it to uh, futurequakeradio.blogspot.com. Uh, indeed. Yeah. And they could drop it there. Mm-hmm. Well, we just, we're, gosh, we're about out of time. I know, already. we're about out of What's time. The... But I want to, I, you know, something we want to follow up is on this House Bill 1778 as mm-hmm. well about um, trying to keep government officials from confiscating our guns. What a great, 
relief it is to see yeah. officials seeing the wisdom actually in that. doing their jobs yeah it's but amazing it's, again it's a discussion <laughs> for another day until then we need to bring Merv in to tell you how to contact us at future quake future quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com suitable for downloading or streaming as well as other show information Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got to get out of here. I'm out. I'm done. No more. <laughs> no mas. Okay, that's the end for today. We've got our last segment tomorrow with Representative Susan Lynn. Until then, we hope your future is very bright. Have a good day. It's possible. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake. Welcome to the Thursday edition of Future Quake. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom Decaffeinated Bionic. And we are coming up on our last installment this week of our interview with Tennessee State Representative Susan Lynn, yep. representing the 57th District mm-hmm. of Tennessee. I overall area. thought this was a great interview. I thought it was a great show, and I hope she comes back more frequently. We're talking today about the latest developments in state sovereignty versus federal domination, and uh, she has been behind uh, several bills, uh, uh, Resolution 108, to emphasize uh, state sovereignty uh, within the bounds of the Constitution, Mm -hmm. and also the 1778 about keeping at least state officials from confiscating our firearms in emergencies. So I can't think of a better use of lawmakers' times than that's to right. defend our rights. I agree. And we need to cut away to her uh, for our last installment. No further ado, here's Representative Susan Lynn. We'll be right back for a quick wrap-up here on Future Quick. Well, now, now and, and again, I'm glad we've had our discussion today because our audience, I'm sure, has not fully embraced the kind of responsibilities that you have and, and can now have an appreciation after today. But, but back on the topic about the Republicans, the party that you're in, do you have any envision, even looking, you, you have to have some interest looking at things on a national level. Are there, are there some directions you think they need to go to become to greater prominence, and are there leaders that you have seen that sort of have that kind of stuff that you think are, are, are being more responsive and that will actually have more of an impact in society? I, I think the direction they need to go in is just um, sticking with um, conservatism, constitutionalism, liberty. In fact, I've often thought of um, putting a small C next to the R after my name or, um, you know, even... <laughs> You know, starting a party, the Liberty Party, not the Libertarian Party, mm-hmm. but the Liberty Party, mm-hmm. Liberty Party, um, because I get very disappointed um, mm-hmm. in right. yeah. politics, the politics. I get very disappointed in that. Um, well, you know, last, last week we had Chuck Baldwin, the uh, presidential nominee of the Constitution Party. 
uh, who's who's a who was a prominent conservative supporting Republican causes. Yeah. And he, he had sort of a similar kind of uh, angst that I detect with you. You might check in uh, the uh, departure yeah. that that he felt that sort of forced him yeah. to stand on conservative principles, which put him at odds with his Republican friends and even some of the other evangelical leaders, uh, who seem to be more concerned with power than standing on principle. And so you're not alone in this kind of frustration mm -hmm. that you're talking about uh, right now. But if you do decide to do something like that and you need like a Carl Rove or a Dick Morris, I'm sure you could call us up. Yeah. Uh, we we could help you whatever like way you need. Plumbers, is that what you're well, no, no, I'm talking about just being your insider political figures oh, you because uh, it's refreshing to hear legislators talk about liberty and freedom being more important over certain um, uh, slogans or, or, or logos. Yeah. And uh, it's just re uh, really appreciate you saying that. But but I want to ask you something as we, as, as we close, uh, and and not ask you as a legislator, but ask you as a practicing Christian who I know you have a good understanding of civics and the history of our government. Um, there has been a debate on our show uh, between well-meaning uh, Christians, Bible-believing Christians. Uh, it's also gone on offline, even in uh, blogs and other kind of uh, boards that talk about our shows, about uh, how Christians should respond to things like Romans chapter 13, which talks about obeying earthly authorities. We have some camps that believe that basically Christians should stay hands-off of politics and governing officials, particularly when they see things are going the wrong direction, because God appointed those people to be there, and we shouldn't question it. We should follow what they ask us to do. There are others that say that the authority that we're asked to follow is actually the Constitution, uh, or wherever the governing documents over our land and not individual people, and we, we have a responsibility in being lawful and making sure that lawful actions happen. And there's just a lot of confusion and struggle uh, on how to how to be a good Christian and follower of Christ and also understand our civic duties. Do you have any kind of perceptions or insights that you have personally that you could enlighten us a little bit on how to consider that? Yes, absolutely. Um, you know what? God truly does decide who's going to win um, an election uh, through his providence. Um, he, he truly does. I mean, I've just seen so many things so many times. And, you know, what will happen, you know, through that person, um, every, everybody is, is used as God, of God. Um, they don't even know it. I mean, God will use people and to, they'll make a decision and they don't even know that God influenced that decision. I've seen it so many times where it's like, wow, you know, why did, why did that happen? Why did that, why did that mistake happen? Or why did that, action happen or whatever and he is carrying out his plan so don't i i don't question that um you know someone is holding a particular office i don't always like their deeds i don't always like their character i don't always like their decision i'm not saying that god is making them do the decisions but the outcome the outcome is following a path that is that is set and it's all leading to the end. It's mm -hmm. all leading to the end. Mm -hmm. Now, God has put them into their office. They deserve to do respect for their office, but definitely you voice your opinion. Definitely you try to have that influence on them. Definitely you tell them what you believe is right or what you believe is wrong. Most definitely. Okay, because many people, uh, assuming the former, 
that is a foregone conclusion that God has appointed people, even if it's Hitler, that, that they believe God is the one who selected these people for that point, and they take it as a point to, to be, in a sense, ambivalent that they need to focus on another thing. There's many other virtuous things to do and soul winning and, and other means of service, and they will tend to ignore a civic duty because they felt like it's already been predestined, uh, and therefore they don't want to get in the way of God of trying to influence it. So, so are you saying that the former position shouldn't automatically presume the latter, that the fact that you we You know what? The, the, um, being oppressed... Um, can deepen your faith, can make you stronger. I'll, I'll tell you, after um, I was elected for four years, I was under um, tremendous spiritual warfare from an individual. And so many times I would call out to God and just say, God, why? Why does this person have this hatred of me? I mean, the things that this person would do was 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 terrible, absolutely terrible. But in my crying out and in my suffering, um, it made me stronger. It brought me closer to God. It made me appreciate more my relationship with him. Could he have stopped that person who was also another elected official who, you know, his sovereign hand, you know, put there mm-hmm. for why, for what reason? Could he, Did he know I was suffering? Yes. Could he have stopped it? Yes. Did he stop it? No. Did I learn from it? Yes. And did I grow? Yes. Mm-hmm. I grew from it. And, mm-hmm. you know, why do those things happen? Why are we led down the road? We're led, you know, I don't know. Did I ask God why? Yes, I did. Did I ask him, please show me at some point, help me to understand? Yes, I did. I asked him to help me understand, but did I rebel against it? No, I didn't mm-hmm. rebel against it. I did, of course, stand up for myself. I kept doing the things that I thought was right and what the what he would have me to do. And um, I just, you know, I, I, I praised him even in my suffering. Even in my suffering, I knew that he loved me. Mm-hmm. And I knew that his point was to teach me something, to teach me something. And, you know, in all things, God will work together. You know, all things work together for, for good, that those, for those who love Jesus, right. for those who love God. They right. will all work together for good. Yes, we are brought to suffering sometimes, but remember that these things are for our growth. He is a father who has, is training us up. He's training us up constantly, all the time. Every day isn't going to be a sunny day. There's people who aren't going to like it. There's people who are going to oppress you. But definitely speak the righteous um, speech and, and thoughts and work for the righteous things because you have influence. You can change other people's minds. Every one of us can has influence and can change other people's minds. Mm-hmm. Work for the righteous, always. Well, well, speaking of that that topic, would you recommend that other Christians, people who are listening to our show today, uh, seek political office as well? And if so, I, for what I reasons? Would. I would. I would. But do not make the mistake in thinking that the government is you know, is is the Lord's government here on earth. Right. Because it's not. That's and right. it is not it is not and it is not perfect. And do not make the mistake to think that um, you know, uh you know, that that it is just, you know, God's actions being carried out because or that it should be or whatever. Because it's not. There there are um people in in government who who 
don't have good character. <laughs> There's people in government who are some of the finest people I've ever met, and I've been honored that I have gotten to know them. And um, I'll tell you, there's a lot of those, and there are the unsavory people, I can tell you that. But unfortunately, the unsafe people often have, I don't know how it happens, but they often rise to a heavy, loud voice. Um, <laughs> but do not make the mistake that, um, you, you, that the, the state government or the federal government is God's government here on earth, or that it should be. It is. But every day, as Christians, as a Christian in a a position of voting for other people, that my actions, my vote, should always be um, just and should always be, um, you know, what the right thing is and what the the Lord would have me to do, and that I should never, um, you know, you know, look one way or the other, but always do whatever it is that is right, even if it's right for 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 one, you know, even if it's right for one. Sometimes legislators will pass laws, and um, you know there's really no point to it except that it is it it does have a spillover effect of hurting someone. Mm-hmm. And you have to stand up for that one. Right. You have to. Even people who have different beliefs than you, since you represent a large group of people that have oh, yeah. their own self-interest, and you have very strong spiritual beliefs and a worldview based upon that. Uh, I, if I hear you right, you don't impose that worldview on other people, and in fact, you even try to preserve the rights of those who have a different worldview, at least their basic rights for their own self-determination themselves through your right. legislation, correct? And and when they encounter me, hopefully, you know, I am, I am um, the Holy Spirit. Hopefully the Holy Spirit is shining through me. Hopefully they can see mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit shining mm-hmm. through me. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand... I, I think I understand, you know, God's will for my life, and I tell everybody, you know, it's, it's God's will that you are saved. It is God's will that you pray. Um, it is God's will that you study and read your Bible every day. It is God's will that we live sanctified lives. It's God's will that you be a survivor and try to um, win souls. That is God's will. The other stuff, I don't worry too much whether it's God's will, whether I vote on, uh, you know, a, a a, a traffic light here or a road there. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't worry about whether or not mm-hmm. it's God's will on those things. Those are, um, you know, those are certain matters that are government matters. But it's God's will every day that um, I do certain things and in doing those certain things and living myself, my life in a certain way. Um, you know, I, I will have the sanctity, the you know, whatever to to make decisions, and, you know, will I make mistakes? Of course I will, but I always picture those two platters in front of me, the right and the wrong, and I always, um, you know, try to reach for the platter that's the right, even if it makes my life harder mm-hmm. and more difficult, because in the end, it's the right thing to do. Wow. Well, I tell you, it's sure refreshing to hear someone in a position of influence yeah, no with that type of confession. Well, I've got to ask you, you know, you've had the lightning bolt hit you in the past, uh, that sent you in this direction. Do you feel any kind of tingling of an impending lightning bolt that might uh, call you to a higher office in the future? You know, I just, I don't know. I just, um, I, I, I don't know. I know that I like to write. I love to write. And all the time I have this inspiration to write. And um, I have been 
written too much lately. Well, can I confirm that? I, I know that, that I like to do that. Can I confirm that with you? Uh, in the brief time I went on your blog and read your writing, and in fact, Brother Tom here directed me mm-hmm. in that direction, I was so impressed with the skill and the quality of your writing and, and your thinking uh, that was expressed through your writing that I'd just like to give you a reinforcement that that's a gift that you've yeah, been given, that I, I hope you use that further. Well, I, I really do enjoy that. And I'll tell you, I do enjoy being in the legislature and, um, you know, helping people. You know, people call the office every day and they need help. And um, I just, I enjoy that so much. So, you know what, if God opens another door for me, I think he'll 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 give me that feeling that that is the door that he's opened for me. Um, it's so important not to covet. It's so important not to say, I want to be a senator, or I want to be this, or I want to be that. It's so important not to do that. Um, coveting is something that I try to be so conscious of and not to covet. Um, you know, just, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I just want to, um, you know, if God gives me an opportunity or he leads me a certain way and he says, you're supposed to do this, um, you know, I just want to be there to say, I will. I'll do that. That's what you want me to do. I'll do that. What is more exciting than taking your two hands every day and doing what he would have you to do? Mm-hmm. What's more exciting for that than that? Doing what I would have me to do is probably not very exciting. I might just sit around on the couch all day and watch TV, right. <laughs> frankly. Right. Um, that's not very exciting. I think every day waking up and looking at my two hands and saying, you know, Lord, what is it you're going to put in these hands today? And, you know, I'm excited to do what you want me to do. Not that excites me. That, um, you know, there's there's nothing more exciting than that. I think a Christian life is the most exciting life there could ever be because you never know what God will put in your path as long as you don't covet. You don't, you're not selfish for anything. Um, gosh, does he, does he bless you? And he blesses you with peace. Um, you know, that's what I'm talking about, the blessing of peace, the, right. the mental peace and the, the outlook on life. Well, I, you know, in your extremely busy schedule, uh, if you happen to catch on the radio on AM 760 at 4 o'clock or even catch uh, our archive shows at futureway.com, mm-hmm. you will see a parade of people who come through our show that are absolutely amazing people that have changed the world or made a big impact in the world. Most of them don't have much money to their name. But they have made huge, huge impacts. they've made huge impacts in the world, and they have a zeal for life. Just to reinforce what you said about the Christian life, um, they have been called. We just had a, uh, one of the top-notch environmental scientists in the world uh, that did something that that impacted the life of every individual in our con- country, and very few people know anything about it. But he did that called as a, as a Christian, even though he was a scientist, uh, as a Christian, he felt so led to do this and has turned away very lucrative opportunities to be able to find a unique way of service. And that's a continuing theme on our show. And, and even in your own calling, you're reinforcing that here, uh, is that the zeal of finding what God calls you to do and embrace it with all your heart. Uh, is something that you'll never, ever regret, and you'll have one of the most amazing lives you can ever imagine. We look at the characters in the Bible. We see the terrible things they go through, you know, the stonings and the beatings and the deprivations. But I think most of them would never change it. In hindsight in their life, they wouldn't change a thing 
in the pursuit of, of following what God has called them to do. So we just appreciate your reinforcement of that mm-hmm. in, the, in the area that God has called you in uh, re- regarding this. Um, is there anything in closing that we need to keep an eye on for the future clouds on the horizon that you see that need to be addressed or even things that we in our show can be doing a service to our our local and national audience to keep track of as far as topics that that is something that has your attention right now well i think um you know definitely the federal government has made terrible mistakes and the spending that they're doing is going to lead to great inflation it just it has to economically it's that's simple economics I think um, it is so important right now to pray that when people begin to suffer the things that they are going to suffer, that they will find um, revival in their hearts or Mm -hmm. or just find the Lord through the suffering. Um, That's how I was born again, just through some financial situations that my husband and I had. He had lost his job and all of that, and I came to know the Lord through that. I wouldn't trade that time for anything in the world, Mm -hmm. anything in the world. And um, I know that there were people praying for me at that time. We need to pray for people that um, they will find the peace of God through all of this. There will be revival in our nation, and, you know, people will get their heads on straight Mm -hmm. and, you know, start... Um, you know, want, stop wanting the government to be all things to all people because it can't be. Mm-hmm. We are the government. We mm-hmm. can't be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they will find what they're looking for in the peace of the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's where they will find things. And you will, they will be able to build a wonderful, wonderful life through so- that. So so from what you see on the horizon, you're saying this is the time that we really need to get our spiritual head together to meet the challenges of what you see on the horizon, if I yes. understand right. Preparation. Preparation. We will be prepared for the opportunity. There were so many people who um, need to know the Lord. The government can't save you. It's right. not going to save you. Um, through our preparation, we will be there to help. Right, and we need we have a personal responsibility ourselves to get our act together and to be self-sufficient as individuals. That's virtuous, but but also I would assume since the government can't do a lot of these things, churches and other institutions like churches need to start looking at the needs of their community, not just looking to the government to solve everything, but start looking how they're going to meet some really strong needs in the future. Correct? Oh, absolutely. And mm-hmm. in you know the old days, it was the churches who did so much, and then of course people start leaning more and more on the government and the services that the government provides and um and, and what happens with that. They they're not there are a lot of people in state government who are wonderful Christians, but in their work they are not permitted to speak the name of Jesus. They are not permitted to do that. So why have we tied our hands like that? Yeah, our churches need to to um offer mm-hmm. offer everything they can. In Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Uh I, I know you have an incredible blog. Uh, how can our listeners keep up and follow your efforts in, in conclusion? What what can they do to keep up with what uh, Representative Lynn is doing out there for them on their behalf? Well, if they want to go to my website, I have a website. It's repsusanlynn.com. And on my website, you can sign up um, for my – I send out a weekly newsletter um, about what's going on in state government. 
um, there's also a link to my blog there where I'll write different things. Usually it's about economic issues. Um, and then I also am on Facebook. If, you know, they oh. want to be my friend on Facebook, mm-hmm. I send out a lot of stuff on Facebook. Okay. So, and there's an HJR 108 group on Facebook as well. Oh, great. So if we have any freedom-loving people in our audience, hopefully there's a few out there, uh, if they've stuck around this long, they better be. Uh, I know they'll love that, so they need to check it out. <laughs> and uh, I just want to let you know that it, it, to return the favor, um, we'll have this show archived at futurequake.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, you okay. feel feel free to not only to access that but to share that with anyone else you, you want because I think you very, very eloquently expressed here um, your worldview, how it impacts uh, your role in politics to look after the citizenry. Uh, that are under your jurisdiction and in your general philosophy. And I just thank you so much for sharing that with our listeners. They they don't get an opportunity to listen to a, to a state legislator like this for this length of time to understand uh, what makes you tick and, and, and how things work. And I think they'll find it very, very inspirational. And, uh, and also you have a standing invitation to come back on here at Future Quake. Mm-hmm. And uh, you see some issues that uh, you need to sound the alarm or get the citizenry uh, aware. Uh, every day at 4 o'clock, people driving home, they turn this on and listen here in the local area. Yeah or online, and I know our listeners uh, would would care about what you think about things. It would be very important to them. So uh, consider us another venue. If you, I know you, you go on some other radio shows and some other uh, talk venues here, but feel free to come on, uh, raise the flag, let us know what's going on, and then maybe we could help bear the load uh, as part of the citizenry and uh, get some cards and letters and our other feedback to help support what you're doing. So I hope we can do that role in the future. And and please come back and see us when you get an opportunity. Oh, well, thank you. Well, thank you so much for all the time you spent with us today. This was was good. This This, was great. This has been a very inspirational time. And uh, I'm certain that you have won many, many, many new friends over from uh, people who have gotten to hear you today. And uh, will be uh, real supporters of you in the future and hopefully can assist you in the mission that you have. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, anything else we can do? Anything else we can do for you for in the future? Just, you know what? Just remember to pray for your legislators. Please do mm-hmm. that. I am so thrilled every time someone tells me that they're praying for me. And I'll tell you, sometimes it's, it's quite startling because people will come up to me out of the blue, and then that week I will be a really tough week, and I'm just always amazed. I'm really thankful for it. So please remember to do that. Okay. They they may never know, but believe me, it's worthwhile. We have pretty hard days sometimes. <laughs> we really that, do. That is something we'll do for you, and we'll try to remember to do it on air as well, as mm-hmm. privately. So thank you thank you so much for your time, and uh, tell your family thanks for letting us uh, have some of your time uh, after the end of the week to share with us here. I will. Thank, I you, will. thank th- you. Thank you, and God bless. We're back here at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, gosh, I can't even think of a good middle name, Bionic. Yeah, you see, we really need people to send you middle names. <laughs> You're scraping the bottom of the, the barrel. Middle name, the middle name barrel is empty. Yeah. Well, I want to thank Representative Susan Lynn for such uh, so much time she spent with us yes. and really Indeed. just pouring out her, her heart and her, her brain and her thoughts. Uh, I'm so glad we have uh, uh, officials like us. We talk about a lot of the terrible ones. Mm-hmm. But we have but some we good ones there. we found a good one here for a change. And hopefully she'll stay in touch with we us. We could just clone her. Drop her a line if you're here in Nashville. Yeah. Tell her how much you appreciate her and what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Encourage her to have other people like her there. Uh, and if the Lord lays it on your heart for you to take this approach, by all means do it. Do what she did. Follow the Lord. Yeah. But we need to follow behind Merv, who can tell you how to get a hold of us here at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com 
suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got to wrap up. All right, let's do it. Okay, tomorrow is tomorrow's Tremors. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Ciao. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, uh, relieved that uh, I haven't had so much caffeine today as last time, Bionic. So you've had less caffeine today, and that's better? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I had a little more sleep, a little less caffeine. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's great to have you here for Future Quake. Mm -hmm. Uh, And since it's Friday, that means it's... Today's review of the Tomorrow's Future News. Yes, you randomly did that on purpose. <laughs> it's Tomorrow's Tremors or Today's Review of the Future's News. Yeah, exactly. Every Friday uh, after we've had our guest on for all week, and we actually do a review of the news. And mm-hmm. we had Representative uh, Lynn on, which is uh, great. Yeah, I know. Susan, Susan Lynn. Yeah, I'm glad that there are people like that out in government um, doing what they need to do and expressing views of you know liberty and, and sovereignty and government right. in, in sort of the correct uh, locutus of uh, knowing. Okay, William Gregg. Locutus? <laughs> yes. Uh, actually, it's just nice to see any elected official that understands who's, what's going yeah, on. Yeah, who's and, not uh, on the take. And I hope she's, uh, that's right, and I hope she comes back to join us again yeah. soon. But um, we have chock full of stories, very interesting stories to talk about today. Mm-hmm. But I would like to say just really quick, uh, give a hey out to our friends at worldofprophecy.com who... Um, have a message board on there, and you can talk about any of the shows on Future Quake there. Mm-hmm. And it's great folk there, and just like say hi to all of them. And also, your blog, yes. futurequakeradio.blogspot.com, yep, I've got which is some feedback. fascinating writing. Well, gosh, thank you. Oh, yeah, it's great writing. Self-praise is no praise, so keep I think it coming. That's your, I, <laughs> I think that's your calling. I mean, I really well, think, I think you've, you're uh, okay on a radio, you've too. Been, I think you've been up to way too long if you think that's my calling. No, I think it's great. Yeah, and, well, thank uh, you. Uh, I know you're going to be doing some advanced studies, theological studies. Indeed, uh, indeed. I appreciate started. everybody's prayers and or uh, monetary donations. <laughs> Now you're sounding like a media evangelist. <laughs> yeah, radio yeah, I know. evangelist. I, now I've got that thing down. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I, I did. Uh, I did actually get accepted to a master's degree uh, seminary program. So now we'll in, have some in theological type yeah. training. Well, if there's other type of seminaries. Okay. Okay. You got me on that one. <laughs> neener, but, neener, uh, neener. It's, uh, when do you start? <laughs> um, as soon as I get my as soon as I get my refund check in the mail. Okay. And uh, so probably. Whatever semester that comes to, okay. Um, but I, I'm waiting on I'm waiting on my refund check to pay for my first year of okay, uh, you know, schooling. Well, they need more economists in seminary, and yeah. with your degree in I, economics, I think that'll be good. Yeah, uh, economics, and uh, you know, of course, I'm working on the applied math mathematics thing. Right, that's right. That's so right. all good stuff. 
mm-hmm. and uh, that's what gives you your unique perspective. That and your upbringing. Here's that, our show. And the insane amount of caffeine that I have mm-hmm. to consume every and morning just, just to strength, get through the day. And the strange person you are. <laughs> well, this is true. But please, uh, ladies and gentlemen, check out uh, futurequakeradio.blogspot.com. It's another place for you to give your two cents on uh, uh, collateral kind of stories that sort of relate to a lot of the things we talk about here at Future Quake, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, get a little bit more in-depth, and uh, people can give their two cents for media feedback. Of course, we always like you to contact us here at uh, futurequake.com as well, too, and Merv will tell you how to do that at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Well, no further ado, we've got stories to review. So Indeed. would you like to start with one? Um, you know what? I think you started last week, so I'll start this week. All right. Uh, we should really keep track of that because I want to do it. Like, yeah, know, I'm sure the people out there listening do. Uh, I know. They, I know. they have something like the little uh, thing at the the scoreboard in basketball when it yeah. has whose turn it is for, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, exactly. exactly. When it's a jump ball. <laughs> <laughs> a little light that goes back and forth. Tom Bionic, Dr. Future. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, here's one. Uh, I brought this story up because here it's happening kind of in our own, uh, you know, uh, southern Tennessee backyard, mm-hmm. uh, Middle Tennessee backyard, uh, Whiteville Police Department. Uh, well, the the name of the article is Whiteville Police Department Seatbelt Checkpoint. What, do you remember the publication that's from? I see you copied I, it out of a real-life publication there. Yeah, you know, I don't. Sorry, but it was just a local, it was local, a local newspaper. Yeah, it was a local newspaper. Okay. Um, the Whiteville Police Department will conduct a seatbelt checkpoint on Saturday, April 4th, 2009, uh, on Highway 64 within the city limits of Whiteville, Tennessee. This checkpoint will be in conjunction with a Homeland Security training exercise by the 251st Military Police in Bolivar, who have recently returned from Iraq. Interesting. Yeah. Although, Will they be breaking through and sharing bullets inside compartments and stuff? And well, only if you're, only if you're not wearing your seatbelts. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. Although uniformed military personnel will be visible at the checkpoint. This was true. I actually talked to somebody who was there and saw this. So military people will be there at the checkpoint. Mm-hmm. Actual, real-life military people, mm-hmm. which isn't that, I guess, posse comitatus, where they're not so. supposed to be yeah. doing actions against citizens on our soil? Mm-hmm. It, it, it is absolutely against okay. posse comitatus. Uh, the military partici- participation will be strictly observation, which is actually untrue, according to the person who turned me on to this story. Um, and, and whether they're observing or whatever they're doing, isn't that still against yeah. it anyway? Any well, operation they're doing? Um, I think it's insane that the Homeland Security, the military, are all you know getting together with the police to do this. Like, the lines see, have blurred. There's yeah, no there's there is what line? Yeah, there's no line. Right. <laughs> The Homeland well, Security. Hey, we don't, don't even know what's police. corporate world and what's government anymore. I mean, I we own banks and insurance companies and things, so there is no separation of powers yeah. even between I, well, civil gosh, wasn't and it, government. Wasn't it just a couple of days ago, maybe a couple of weeks ago, that the um, the it was maybe GM or Ford, one of the CEOs, got asked to step down by the Obama administration? By Obama himself. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. He said, get out of here. Get out of Dodge. Mm-hmm. Or a new sheriff. In town. You know, I think they do that in Russia too. But usually they just rub out the guy, like he's the yeah, head usually of the, it's, yeah. you know, the gas company or something yeah, like he that. He just doesn't show up for work anymore, and suddenly that mm-hmm. he's you know, not paying off the government enough, and yeah. they just rub him out. Yeah, gas prom or whatever. So, it is. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So that's basically the same thing we've got here. I yeah, think, basically. Well, just nobody's. They haven't killed the guy yet, as far as I know. Still reminds me of what yeah. Pat Paulson said, the comedian, when he ran for president in ninety in sixty eight. 
Mm-hmm. He says, we need to sit, quit sending money over to support all these foreign military dictatorships <laughs> and keep it here to support the one we have right here. <laughs> now, the interesting thing here is they include this last last uh, couple of sentences here um, in the article. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit last week on the, on the Newsday about the... Uh, uh, these these FEMA coffins that we found that have been in Atlanta and they mm-hmm. seem to be uh, they seem to be multiplying much like rabbits. You know, there's probably one with country. my name on it, one with your name on it. I'm guessing. Really? Yeah. Well, well, they're made. I think they're made like four ply, four by. Okay. So um, you can toss like more than one body in. You know. So like Mrs. Future. Yeah, it'd be like Robert the, Hyde. It's like Cairo, here's the Benatorium. Help me with some nails to close okay. the Benatorium. Okay. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, but anyway, the military police use checkpoints to disseminate information and ensure safe movement in the event of a terrorist attack, natural disaster, or other large-scale emergency. Uh, and that, that is explaining why the military and Homeland Security are there. Okay, so there's an obvious connection between seatbelts and terrorism, and that's their explanation of the joint. They're checking seatbelts, but also for terrorists, too. Yeah. Because so often terrorists probably wouldn't have their seatbelt on. <laughs> Either that, or they could be worrying us down to have to get used to having yeah. military people patrolling mm-hmm. all the time, like the Stasi did in mm-hmm. Eastern Europe. Or perhaps they are uh, uh, anticipating, or even possibly, dare I say it, fomenting some sort of an incident where uh, it's going to be necessary that the police are out there. So it's mm-hmm. it's good that these people are well well trained on. Like you mean if somebody causes a fit if their civil rights are violated? Well, you know, like if there was a big tax... They're going to have to take those people down. Well, I was thinking more along the lines of if there was like a big tax revolt and the government decided that they were just going to, you know, declare sort of a force majeure and that's it, you know? Mm-hmm. Tell you what, all right, gloves come off. Tell you what, your rights aren't really natural rights, inalienable mm-hmm. rights, as per the Constitution, Declaration of Independence. They are rights. You have those rights, but we as the government mm-hmm. give them to you. That hasn't already happened. I mean, they haven't no cracked. Comment. They haven't cracked. <laughs> they haven't cracked heads as much. But no, no. I thought the attitude was pretty much endemic. Oh well, right, we can certainly. Right now. I, I think that you can make that argument without very much of a uh, yeah uh, roll of the dice. You yeah. know, I mean, that's pretty obvious. Okay. Alrighty. Well, would you like to have a, a story from this direction? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Uh, that's something we need to keep an eye. on. When is that supposed to happen? By the way. Oh, that actually already happened. Uh, April oh. the fourth. Oh. I wanted. I was thinking about. Driving down there, but then I saw the April the fourth thing. Yeah, we could we could have videotaped that. That'd yeah. been a nice little video for YouTube and for yeah. uh, FutureQuake.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's uh, a very interesting story I find from the London Telegraph, a prominent newspaper in London, England, uh, said uh, the U- U.S. religious right concedes defeat. Uh, and in fact, a lot of the findings in here, although I presume this writer is not an evangelical Christian. Um, some of the things echo some of the things that we've suspected all along and talked mm-hmm. about on our show. So here's an outsider's view. Uh, America's religious right has conceded that the election of U.S. President Barack Obama has sealed its defeat in the cultural war with permissiveness and secularism. Okay, this is Stateline, Washington. Leading evangelicals have admitted that their association with George W. Bush has not only hurt the cause of the social conservatives, but contributed to the failure of the key objectives of their 30-year struggle. 
James Dobson, 72, who resigned recently as head of Focus on the Family, one of the largest Christian groups in the country, and once denounced the Harry Potter books as witchcraft, acknowledged the dramatic reverse for the religious right in a farewell speech to staff. He quote, We tried to defend the unborn child, the dignity of the family, but it was a holding action, he said. We are awash in evil, and the battle is still to be waged. We are right now in the most discouraging period of that long conflict. Humanly speaking, we can say we have lost all those battles. Hmm. That's too uh, bad. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's truncated. He may have said the rest of the story, but that's all the quote here. It says, despite changing the political agenda for a generation and helping push the Republicans to the right, evangelicals have won only minor victories in limiting the availability of abortion. Well, duh. Meanwhile, the number of states permitting uh, civil partnerships between homosexuals is rising in the campaign to restore prayer to schools after 40 years, a decision that helped create the moral majority, has got nowhere. Though the struggle will, will go on, the confession of Mr. Dobson, who started this ministry from scratch in 1977, came amid growing concern that church attendance in the United States was heading the way of Britain, where no more than 10% worship every week. Hmm. Unease is rising that a nation founded, in the view of evangelicals, purely as a Christian country will soon, like Northern Europe, become post-Christian. Recent surveys have suggested that the American religious landscape has shifted significantly. A study by Trinity College in Connecticut found that 11% fewer Americans identify themselves as Christian than 20 years ago. Those stating no religious affiliation or declaring themselves agnostic has risen from 8.2% in 1990 to 15% in 2008. Despite a common distaste among evangelicals for the new Democratic president, who is regarded as, as at best a diehard pro-abortion liberal and at worst a Marxist, a serious rift is emerging among social conservatives in the wake of his election victory. Now, this is very interesting. Remember, this is a British person uh, looking at our country. Mm-hmm. It says, A growing legion of disenchanted grassroots believers does not blame liberal opponents for the decline in faith or the failures of the religious right. Rather, they hold responsible Republicans, particularly Mr. Bush, and groups like Focus on the Family that have worked with the party for courting Christian voters only to betray promises of pursuing the conservative agenda once in office which is something we have said many times. Many times. Conservatives became so obsessed with the political process, we have forgotten the gospel, said Steve Deese, an evangelical well, radio talk show host duh. in Iowa. Uh, who brought, I don't see duh in here, but that's Well, that's, that's okay. I'm going to add commentary. my commentary. Well, duh. Who broadcast, Give me a pen. I'll write that in there. Okay. D-U-H. Broadcast a recording of Mr. Dobson's address, which he said had appeared on Focus on the Family's website before disappearing. They took it down. Oh. Mr. Deese added, all that time spent trying to set at the tabletop is not times well spent. Well, or at the you, top table, excuse Well, that's me. the whole point of, of like Christianity. Of religious you know, power. You don't sit at the top table. You go and you, right. you know. Republicans say one thing and do another. That's what Mr. Deese says. Well, duh. In the Southern Bible Belt, you know, I could just use like a little keyboard, a sampler, and just keep hitting you saying duh. For this story, yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh in the Southern Bible Belt, like uh, many like Reverend Joe Moorcraft, head of a small Presbyterian church in Atlanta, judged that the Christian movement failed not because its views were unpalatable for moderates and liberals, but because it was not Christian enough. A deserter from the Republican Party, he said Christians had been corrupted by politics and needed to return to the basics of local social work and preaching the gospel rather than devoting their energies to getting a few people elected. 
He is not alone in questioning how evangelical leaders such as Mr. Dobson could spend a career campaigning against abortion and then eventually support a candidate like Senator John McCain, who has dubious pro-life credentials. Yeah. Just the same thing I've pointed out here. Yeah. Ray Moore, president of Exodus Mandate, a uh, South Carolina-based group which organizes homeschooling for Christian children, said... Political involvement by Christians is not wrong, but that's all the big groups did for 25 years. They were more concerned with fundraising and political power than they were with our children's welfare. It's a failed movement, he said. We will end up like England, where the church has utterly lost its way. Michael Spencer, a writer who lives in a Christian community in Kentucky, said the religious right had suffered from its identification with Mr. Bush, the most unpopular president in living memory, and the extremist rhetoric of some of the religious right. One of the more notorious outbursts was the Reverend John Hagee's assertion that the deadly uh, Hurricane Katrina in 2005 was God's judgment on New Orleans for hosting a gay parade. Well, as loony as he is, um, I don't think that like, I don't think that was nearly as bad as all of the uh, all of the sort of, you know, washing up of the civil rights and individual bill of rights that you know. Under, happened under the Bush administration. Oh, I agree. You know? But I'm just reciting from this guy. We're well, that's just okay. I'm just going to commentate. Uh, it, was, it wasn't duh, so it was refreshing. Duh. Uh, in, in an <laughs> online article in the Christian Science Monitor that's become a touchstone for disaffected conservatives, Mr. Spencer forecast a major collapse in evangelical Christianity within 10 years. Evangelical have identified their movement with a culture war and political conservatism. This will prove to be a very costly mistake, he wrote. He's very intelligent. Well, can I give you my two cents on that? No. Yes, of course you can. I don't think that the fact that Christians were involved in something that that involved politics was wrong in and of itself. I think sometimes they were good motives. But I will say two things. This is just Dr. Future's opinion for the day. Okay. Okay. One is any time you get so immersed in trying to retain power, like you have connection with insiders in a party, Mm -hmm. that you start compromising your the real beliefs that you got in there for that's when it's bad and i think the whole thing with mccain was was evidence it should have been clear to everyone that uh religious conservatives uh, in their zeal to try to hold on to power threw out everything they believed and held on to you know for that reason um the, the second thing is that if you're going to do things through the state and not through the church uh, we have duties as civilians to participate in the political process. It's part of how democracy works. Mm-hmm. But you cannot do things in the same way that you do in the church. We have certain values that we believe. There's, we, we're all under voluntary subjection to Christ in the church mm-hmm. and, and the moral principles and things that he sets. Uh, but, when you go into the, <laughs> thank you. but when you go to the state... You also have fellow citizens who have equal rights that have not voluntarily accepted those things. Mm-hmm. So while you you uh, you want things to be for the benefit of society, the main purpose of the state are to defend rights, including individuals' right to make their own personal decisions. And I think sometimes we've run roughshod in our zeal to try to help people by trying to promote a Christ-like Christian world and society. Mm-hmm. We, we've come across as trying to force certain things on people yeah. by using the coercive power of the state, sure. and it's backfired. And I think, I think if we can be, as Christians, be known for supporting freedom and freedom from uh, the, the state being the coercive force over the decisions in our life and rather uh, the voluntary obligations that we have when we come to our God and confront him, I, I think we'd be a lot better off.
Well, so we ha- you have to switch gears, I think, a little yeah. bit when you do that. And I think you can still be a blessing to people mm-hmm. working through the state, but you, it's not the same thing as when you're preaching from the pulpit uh, when people are there to hear the Word of God. Sure. I find it very interesting that people occasionally, because of my because of various political views, people occasionally uh, question my standing before the Lord on things. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. fascinating to yeah. me. You know? Now, but now, if they said... The Bible says this. Why do you believe that? You wouldn't be offended by that, would you? In other words, no, if they were long, challenging yeah. you by what you stood. Now, yeah. you would probably have a ready answer for it. But I'm just saying if they if they did that rather than just saying, well, that's not what everybody else in our circle is. Therefore, you must be out of line. Yeah. Well, it's, it's you know, I don't know. I have my own particular issues. We could go on and on and on about it, mm-hmm. about, you know, people approaching me and saying, you know, X, Y, Z about, uh, um, you know, political views or, you know, social views about things, you know. Mm -hmm. And it just, at some point, what I've noticed is when when people do that, is when you call them out on different things, the first thing they do is they lock up and they just start... Get defensive? uh, Like they bristle or something? Yeah, I would even say it's like a step above bristle. Like, they just start going into... They they just sort of turtle and cocoon Mm -hmm. and just like... They, they just come out of that cocoon to just say you're a heretic and that's it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but I mean, that's, you know, ultimately, like, ultimately it's very small. I really don't care what they think. I'm more mm-hmm. interested in what God thinks of me. And hopefully he thinks my life is a smashing success. Because mm-hmm. it looks like a failure every other way. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully the heavenly scorecard looks better than the earthly one. Oh, that's, that's the whole point yeah, for me. Yeah. So, but you know, the closest I get to getting these kind of criticisms is when people misunderstand that the fact that, that I believe that the state uh, should allow people to have the maximum expression of who they want to be, mm-hmm. even when it's not what I think is best from a... A godly worldview, mm-hmm. but that if we start taking a certain particular religious slant and saying that's the one we want to use the force of the government to force, I'm probably going to end up on the outside of that belief because I differ a lot from other Christians on certain topics mm-hmm. uh, as much as I do unbelievers. Yeah, most most people, you, we're that's definitely something we agree on. Most people tend to see that view as endorsing hedonistic activity right, when which in fact is not it's the not, case. not at all. I just think you know, that you're endorsing free will. The Holy Spirit in people's conscience should be the thing that dictates them to voluntarily mm-hmm. get their lives in line. Now, if they if their practices infringe on the rights of other people, other yeah. Christians or not, that's a different story. But privately, you can never and I finally really embracing and accepting the fact that you cannot legislate morality because all you do is you derive immoral practices underground. Mm-hmm. And it and it makes it makes people want to um, rebel in a public fashion mm-hmm. against those those things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's too bad. God would have established something that was permanent that would have forced us to do it by law. But you know what he said about the law? The law was just a taskmaster to show us how sinful we were. Mm-hmm. But it didn't save a single person. It didn't make a single person moral. It, just, uh, it was just something to teach us yeah. to show that that didn't cut it. It's always very interesting to see, uh, like, the... Um, the the Jews who were the you know the legalists like if you mm-hmm. want to talk about people being legalistic it was the Pharisees and the the Sanhedrin especially mm-hmm. they forgot the name of God <laughs> I mean that's all you really need to know when it comes well, to legalism to give the to give people Hebrews and the Jews of ancient world some credit they did a very good job preserving sure 
I mean, better than any other culture of the but world. But the the most God never said don't use his name. He just said don't use it flippantly. Right. And the very thing that they were supposed to remember was the name of God. They forgot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't I can't think of a better sort of I don't I, just, I suppose it's not an analogy. Maybe some mm-hmm. I don't know what you call that metaphor. Right. Yeah, you know what I mean. Right. Um, for uh, legalism's effect on on uh, sure. uh, legislation. Well, yeah, legislation of morality's effect on morality. Mm-hmm. So, well, uh, just just one other little quick word on that. Uh, another thing that people get confused about is that if people of a liberal bent come to me and say the government needs to do this or needs to do that to take care of these things, I try to see through their how they're trying to do it and realize that they a lot of times do have a benevolent soul that they want poor people to be taken care of, yeah. people who are needy, all these other kind they of things. They want the right care. things, in other words. Now they may have certain personal way. immorality and things, yeah. but. Uh, and I tell them, I say, look, I share with you the desire that those need to be taken care of, <coughs> but I don't think the government is the best tool and arbiter in society mm-hmm. institution to be able to accomplish it. Yeah. So I don't disagree on your desire to, to to help the poor and oppressed. I just find out that they politicize stuff when the government gets involved and does mm-hmm. it. And I find that somewhat disarming for them when they find out we have the same goals. And in fact, most liberals, I would say, concede to me that they understand the corruptness of politicians because they have been burned with, with politicians on their side sure. that promise stuff and then they end up getting payoffs. Mm-hmm. So I, I find that it's a lot of our attitude and perspective that we don't have to drive as big a wedge as between people. Interesting, um, interesting commentary. Well, you know what? We've chatted on about this stuff, and we big, really need to bring uh, Merv in. Big surprise. So speaking uh, of speaking of corrupt and taking payoffs. <laughs> see, I wasn't going to say that. I'd never say something <laughs> negative okay. about Merv. Merv, would you please come in and tell our listeners how they can contact us here at Future Quake? Futurequake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, I I ended just a wee bit early because I didn't think we had another story. I had a UFO story today I was going to share. I know, I had one about a tax revolt coming. There's all sorts of people lining up over this thing. Uh, now our, all our listeners are going to just wring their hands wishing what could they have said about these topics. I was going to talk about a whole missile silo that was shut down. Tax revolt by aliens. And 150 uh, Air Force officials saw the UFOs overhead to shut down the missile silos. Well, I was going to talk about a lady getting in a car accident and having a, and having a bill sent to her house by the police for showing up at the accident. Well, well they'll... They'll never know what we were going to say about these shows. I know. It's very uh, tough. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we hope you enjoyed, even though we we had a couple of stories and a good bit of, of uh, commentary here. But uh, we've got some big, big guests coming up here in the next few weeks, and there's big, big things going on in our world. So well, we'll be here to cover them. Until then, we'll see you next Monday with another guest, another show. And in the meantime, we hope your future is very bright. Have a great day. Spasibo. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake. There are new dreams crowding out old realities. There's revolution 
sweeping like a fresh new breeze. Let the old 